Welcome back to our podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs in the sport of boxing. My name is William Henry. I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee, as well as Lavelle Jackson. We took time off last week, but now we're back. We got a special episode for you. But since we've been off for a couple of weeks, fellas, I got a couple of introductory questions, man. We got to cover some ground um, of what we lost in the past few weeks. First and foremost, how is um, are you fellas uh, year going so far? How's the 2022 year um, treating you so far? The year's been good to me. Um, I just been kind of I'm, I'm still kind of putting my my goals together, but um so far, so good. I think that, I mean, 2021 was was pretty good year for me. So I just been thinking about how I can take that momentum and ride it into this year. It's definitely going to be some big life changes for me. I'm more likely to be moving and changing careers. So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. Yeah, uh, just uh, a lot of uh, goal creating going on and, and planning out the, the, the incoming year. I know this year is probably going to be very, very busy. Uh, when I look at career-wise and even when we look at uh, where we're trying to go with this podcast, you know, pretty busy year, but uh, I'm grateful that that we have the talents to, to, to do what we do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so far so good this year. You guys make a good point as far as setting those goals. It's always good to set those goals up, you know, your long-term goals, your short, short-term goals. And that's something that I was able to do as well is to jot down what I plan on doing this this year. What do I what do I plan on accomplishing this next month? What do I plan on accomplishing in the next three to four months? And then what do I want things to look like once 2023 hits? And so you guys make some really good points and you start being able to actually. You know, I think this is better when you plan out and you know what it is that you want to do, because if not, you'll be all over the place, you know, with, with your life, you know, and Bill, you mentioned a good point as far as the goals of of this podcast. I know for me, um, what I've been doing with that is like, personally, I want us to get to at least a thousand subs, you know, and hopefully we can do that by the summer. You know, that's, that's a goal of mine as far as the, the pot, I mean, yeah, this podcast is concerned, and then it's just what we're doing, you know, all together. But saying all that to say, what, what, if you guys don't mind um, sharing, you know, what's, what's one or two of your goals for this year, you know, that you have? I think for me, I'm gonna go like real big picture. I think part of it is it just kind of being more present and intentional and kind of like in the moments. And so, like, you know how it is. We get older and, you know, some of some of our friendships fall off, our relationships fall off. And then the ones that still here is like, man, I'm blessed to have these in my life. And so I want to be more when I look back, you know, one of the things that I wish I would have done more is to have spent more time with the people, you know, close to me. So, you know, on top of the professional goals, I definitely want to be more intentional about creating memories with people in my life. But then also I want to be a little bit more, you know, and attempt to evolve. I want to be more adventurous and and kind of like dream bigger. You know what I mean? And so, you know, like I've been thinking through, you know, this podcast and another podcast and and I have a, a brand on the side. And so, 
I think I want to, I haven't quite figured out how I want to take more risk, but I want to, that's one of the things I want to do for sure. Yeah. With me, um, well, professionally, I'm trying to attain my, uh, level one, uh, DAU acquisition or certificate, uh, which will help me, you know, in what I'm doing currently and help me go even further. Um, and also I'm trying to stay healthy, trying to, uh, have some fitness goals. Um, but, and of course, I'm trying to still find that balance between my, you know, my personal life and, and spend time with family and my, my work life and my other hobbies, too. So still trying to find that balance. But I'm confident that this year is going to be uh, a pretty positive one. Yeah, you just got to make it happen. I know, like I say, for me personally, you know, I share it with you as far as what I plan and what, what I want to see happen as far as the podcast and just last ones at the bar in general. You know, um, you guys make some good points as far as like being in a moment. I um, have put together a plan where for my long-term goal, I want to be able to get a few Airbnbs together. Um, so when it's all said and done that I have a place to go to, you know what I mean, for relaxation. Then also when I'm not there to have that, you know, being paid off for other people who travel. And so I've just been putting plans in place to actually um, see that actually coming to fruition. Yeah, and a few other things is that, um, you know, I plan on doing certain things that I haven't done, you know, taking time out, Bill, you made a good point also as far as really carving out time for yourself and carving out time for your family. I know personally for me, what I want to do this year is take that time out and not just consume myself with what's going on with work and do things that I enjoy. For instance, one thing that I wanna do is attempt to read two to three books per month, you know, and just make sure I, t I carve out time to be able to do that time in and, you know, be able to learn that information that I wanna seek out for myself as opposed to just, you know, reading things that pertain to what I have to do for my job. So for instance, since um, December, I had an opportunity to read a book called A Black History Reader by Dr. Claude Anderson, which is a really good read. If you haven't had an opportunity to read that one, I suggest that you take a look at that one. And then also Moon Fixer is um, a book about the first African-American um, player in the NBA, which was Earl Lloyd, who's from Alexandria, Virginia. So that's a really good read as well. And right now I'm on White Rage. It's a book that's written by Carol Anderson. So those are some of the things that I want to continue to do um, in 2022. But enough of that, right? You know, and I appreciate you guys sharing out, you know, what you you shared. I'm sure some a lot of people um, got something out of, you know, the discussion that we had. And hopefully all of the goals that you set up for them, able to accomplish them, them um, as well as much more. Um, as far as the EP is concerned, let's go ahead and start talking this boxing. You know, that's what we do. We talk that good boxing game. Now, since we've had conversations back in 2021, it's a lot been going on and we don't have time to touch on everything. But first and foremost, this, the year the boxing year has started off with pretty um big event it had a heavyweight extravaganza that took place headlined by 
Luis Ortiz. He was fighting against Charles Martin, the former IBF heavyweight champ. Bill, I know that you had an opportunity to see a little bit of that. Uh, what did you think about Luis Ortiz in that, that matchup against Charles Martin? Yeah, uh, props to Luis, Luis Ortiz because he's very, he's still, even as age, he's still kind of underrated and he still showed that he's dangerous. And, and he's one of those fighters that can, that has plenty of ways to beat you. He doesn't win one way. He, I mean, he's a phenomenal boxer, but he also has phenomenal power. And I think uh, Deontay Wilder's victories over him is going to look better, you know, as time goes on and, and Luis Ortiz's career comes to a close. Now, in this fight he uh, against Prince Charles Martin, it, it seemed like his age was starting to show. I mean, uh, he, start, he, he, he seemed to not have Prince Charles uh, Martin figured out as, as fast, and it took him a while, and, and I know uh, Martin dropped him uh, twice in the fight, uh, I believe first in the, once in the first round. Um, but Ortiz, just like he always does, he, he figures out a way to get it done, and he always knows that he can rely on his power, which is very underrated. No one talks about Luis Ortiz's power because you have guys like, you know, Deontay Wilder in, his, in, his, uh, in the heavyweight division. But in my opinion, I think Ortiz is one of the the, the biggest punchers, uh, besides someone like a Wilder, or uh, he's he's one of the biggest punchers, you know, at heavyweight, and I think that gets overlooked. And he showed it, you know, uh, against uh, Martin, uh, and he turned it on. He used he, he did he did Martin out, and he finally got the stoppage. And some people said the stoppage was uh, early. I don't think it was early. Charles was Charles Martin was obviously uh, hurt. Uh, and, and I can't see it, it was going to probably go downhill from there. Man, I thought it was a pretty entertaining fight. You know, a lot of times that you hear complaints about certain matches, certain guys um, in the ring, that definitely wasn't one to complain about when it, come, when it came to action. Like you said, those two knockdowns that Martin got on Ortiz. It, it seemed to me early on, it was two things that, was um, plaguing Ortiz early. One was the inactivity because he's been relatively inactive outside of the fights with Wilder. And he had one fight after that, but it's like a first round knockout of some guy that took a phantom body shot and just went down. So he really hasn't been in the ring um, that much. So I think that played a factor in his performance against Martin on January 1st. The other thing was him fighting a left-hander, you know, sometimes we take that for granted. Like he's been fighting so many righties over the years. It's kind of like, to me, I remember Klitschko when he was fighting against Tyson Fury, he had for about maybe 10 years, he was using the same tactic where he would just like pounce down on, like he'll shoot a couple shots and then he'll get his opponent and then he'll just like lean on him because he was just much taller than most of the opponents that he faced. He was always taller than the opponents that he faced. And then once he ended up fighting Tyson Fury, who was taller, was much taller than him, he couldn't implore the same tactic. And so it just, it was muscle memory. He just couldn't, he was trying to do it against Tyson Fury, but it just didn't make any sense to try to do it. But he was just so, you know, accustomed to doing that, that tactic. Now with Luis Ortiz, when he's fighting a left-hander and Charles Martin, a nice size left-hander, the first round or two, he was just in right, right lined up for the left hand that Martin was, was, was shooting at him. And he ended up getting caught. I want to say that was the first or second round. And then he ended up getting caught with a jab. Also, his legs looked a little stiff, you know, but 
it seemed like he started to get it together, you know, once some of the rust started coming off. And then he was able to um, hit Martin with that flush shot. And I don't think it was an early stoppage because Martin, once he got clocked, he started talking to somebody in the third uh, row, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, who wasn't talking to him. So, you know, when you're doing stuff like that, I think it is time to stop the fight. But, you know, all in all, I think that now in Ortiz's career that he's in that situation. Like A lot of people were avoiding him, waiting for him to get old. So now he probably is going to start getting the fights that he wants. But at this stage, will he be able to take advantage of those opportunities? So that's going to be the dilemma that he's going to face moving forward. But I do know that he's going to try to face the fighters that's going to put the most money in his pocket because he's doing this for his daughter. And that's commendable. Um, now, uh, what was something else? There's something, the other thing that's been going on in boxing, man, I got to talk about this. I got to ask you fellas this. You got the rumblings of Ryan Garcia and Pitbull Cruz. What do you think about that situation that's been transpiring as of late? Hey, let them fight. Hey, let them fight. Um, but with Ryan Garcia is interesting because he, he, he had, uh, he hasn't been really heard from as much since that his victory over Luke Campbell he's been he said he was going through some you know mental issues and took some time off from boxing uh but earlier earlier this year or late last he was he made comments saying that he was back and he was just going to keep his head down and, and, and start moving forward but I'm, I'm not sure what uh what set all this off but um I guess he's, he's really been going at Isaac Cruz I saw Cruz really wanting that fight um it's an interesting fight. I don't for, for Ryan Garcia where he's at. I don't think it's a bad fight uh, because I, I do think I I saw Cruz. While Ryan Garcia does have he has certain attributes that can make this fight easier than what Javante Davis had. That there, there's also some things that can make it more dangerous than you know what they you know Davis also. Uh, and I saw Cruz. Um, as long as Ryan Garcia can use his length and, and, and footwork and stay away from, from I saw Cruz, he, he should be all right. But eventually, I think Cruz is, is a stubborn fighter. He has an awesome chin that he's shown against Javante Davis. Uh, so he's, he's eventually going to get in on, in, on that inside. And I think that's where this fight will be interested. But as far as talking, I mean, they can talk, talk all they want. I, I want to see the fight. You know, uh, it's not like a, it's the fight to see or that I'm like, wow, but you know, when guys are talking like that, they need to either fight or just be quiet and, and talk about and talk about somebody else. Because we, we, we've heard these, these these talking between fighters and then we hear about this all the time and, and, and fighters don't fight. We, we heard it all across the lightweight division uh, of those, you know, the Devin Haney's, the, the Tank Davis, the Tiffany Malope. They all talking one another, talking about what they can do to one another, but they're doing everything except getting that ring. So hopefully the talking is not a lot and they're getting in I saw Cruz and, and Ryan Garcia can get in that ring. Yeah, I'm not mad at the matchup itself. I I do wish that, you know, in addition to and I guess in the last month or so he hasn't or the last month or a few weeks he hasn't been as well talking as much, but he was doing a lot of talking for a guy that wasn't in the ring, he being Garcia. And I I hope that with him putting his head down, it comes less of the social media and more of the contract being signed because, you know, again, I'm not mad at the, at the matchup itself, but um, 
at some point you just got to show and prove. And so hopefully this is something that happens and hopefully it catapults him into, you know, fighting the competition that people want to see him fight or, or not. Maybe it'll be uh, another coming out party for Isak Cruz. We don't know, but um, the matchup itself, you know, I look forward to watching it. I'll be there. You know, there's a couple of things that I want to address when it comes to this topic. First and foremost, I think that if Ryan Garcia is on his game, if he comes back and he's, you know, Ryan Garcia, which I don't see why he wouldn't be, I think that Pitbull Cruz would be somebody that would be tailor-made kind of for Ryan Garcia, you know, as far as just running, coming in there. Now, he's he's a little bit more um, – strategic in his approach and coming in but i just think that with ryan's speed and power that he will line him up for a nice little uppercut or something like that that would put away old pitbull but pitbull is always a live dog because with that aggression his um you know ability to get in there and rough guys up you know he would he would always be you know a live dog now as far as this whole situation is concerned Ryan Garcia is unique. Now, I agree, Vale, when it comes to like guys doing a lot of little bit of talking and stuff like that, but they somehow some way the fight never gets made. That's true to a certain degree because you had Tiafimo Lopez, um, Devin Haney situation going on. It seemed like the Cambosa situation is going on with him and Devin Haney. You had the even the uh, Matrix, you know, Lomachenko, you know guys still haven't had an opportunity to fight and then I don't know what Tank is doing as far as what he who he thinks he is in terms of not having to face people but that's a whole nother situation but as far as specifically Ryan Garcia he just has a pattern of this where he comes out he talks about a person and then he starts talking about somebody else and it's just like the gather I don't know if it's just to gather attention and then he go ahead and choose something different i don't i don't know i don't know what the rationale and the root behind this is but this is his mo for instance just a year ago after his defeat of luke campbell he came out he was talking about tank going on mike tyson's show you know i want tank davis he can't beat me blah 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 this and that we were all like whoa there we go we got one then next thing you know as soon as he had everybody in the palm of his hands, he said, no, nah, I'm not going to fight Tank. I got something better. I got to fight with Manny Pacquiao. We was like, you know, heck, Pacquiao, like you can't really say duck and Tank because Manny Pacquiao is a legend. He's going to probably make more money. You know, that's, ooh, woo, that boy right there, he, he wants some smoke. All to come to find out when they talked to Manny Pacquiao, they're like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I never heard anything about this. So we're like, whoa, what's going on? Is Oscar De La Hoya telling them something? We don't know. But then it comes to, okay, later on. So you don't know. You, you, you probably give them benefit of the doubt. But then later on, he's supposed to be fighting Joseph Diaz. That didn't happen. Then you think back, he was supposed to be fighting Javier Fortuna before, and that didn't happen. So now you start to think, like, what's going on with this boy? You know what I'm saying? Like, something ain't right. So at the end of the day, Mr. Ryan Garcia, Mr. Social Media Darling, we just want you to fight somebody, dog. Like, you don't have to. You're right. Keep your head down or whatever it is you're saying. Don't say nothing until a fight is signed. You almost can't say anything until you have to weigh in because we don't know if you're going to pull out of a fight. 
you know, so it, it gets a little bit frustrating in dealing with this young man. You know, at first it was so much promise going into 2021. You know, he fought January, I mean, yeah, January 2nd. And he was just like, oh, okay, what, what is he going to do? Is he going to be the one who brings boxing back to the forefront? All for him, you know, to do these type of, you know, things, all of these shenanigans, you know. All right, so now it's, it's time to get to talking about what we're here for. So we're going to come up with our top 10 pound for pound list. With our top 10 pound for pound list, we use this objective criteria. So we have 30 points for a fighter's achievements. We have 30 points for the quality of opposition that they've had within the last two years. And then we also have 30 points for the eye test and then 10 points for whether or not they seek out opposition or they have been avoiding opposition. Now, before we get started, do you fellas have any honorable mentions that you have before we get into our top 10 pound for pound list? Yeah, I have a few names that that, that came up off the top of my head and, and I scored them. They didn't necessarily make the cut. And, and some of it, they were, you know, they were lacking a lot of things. Like they were very lacking in maybe achievements or quality opposition. But uh, names that did come up was, uh, of course, George Cambosas from his win over Teofimo Lopez. Uh, but he just has that win. He hasn't done too much. Um, then we have... Uh, Stephen Fulton, who is currently the, the the man at 122, but he still hasn't achieved much. And then uh, another name that did come up also was Shakur Stevenson, who same thing again. You know, he's running the table almost at 130. He just has one fight against Valdez, against Valdez to actually be the man at 130. He, he picks up that win. He if he if he fights Valdez and win that fight, he could make this list next time. I will also shout out Better BF, who has the, who I think still has the skill set to be in the top 10 pound for pound, but his quality of opposition in the last two years hasn't been great. And so therefore his achievements hasn't been great. So that, uh, his, that, that kind of knocked him out for me personally. Yeah. My honorable mention list consists of one guy and that's Jamel Charlo. Uh, Jamel had an impressive, Impressive victory over Jason Rosario back in 2020, but he kind of struggled in a unification match against Brian um, Castaño. But if he wouldn't necessarily say right the wrong, but if he's able to get the victory and also collect all of those belts at junior middleweight, that definitely will propel him to be on my list next time. All right, so for me, starting off my number 10, we got the 31-year-old Juan Francisco Estrada. He's 42-3 with 28 KOs. As far as Juan um, is concerned, he has the fight coming up against Chocolatito. This is going to be a third match uh, for them. So this is going to settle the score. This probably would propel Francisco Estrada to you know, get higher on the list if he's victorious. And also, this will give chance, a chance for Chocolatito to enter the top 10 once again if he's victorious. Now, within the last two years, Juan Francisco Estrada has defeated Carlos Cuadres by 11th round TKO. Um, in that fight, he was down in the third round. And then also, he had the fight last year against Ro uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, um, which was a very close, controversial victory. You know, but the quality of opposition is there, man. He's he's fought just the, pretty much everybody, the who's who 
in his weight class. He's fought Quadris twice. He's fought uh, Sora Rumbaside twice, and this would be the third time that he's fought Chocolatito. So I have to give him high points in that area. So for me, um, with him, and then also what I failed to mention is that his accomplishments. He's been a unified flyweight champ. Um, he has the WBA and WBC belts. He was the junior battleweight champion. Um, what he brings to the table as far as the eye test, he's an excellent counterpuncher. You know, he has superb balance. Um, so in the different categories for, I gave him 20 points for the for achievements. I gave him 27 points for quality of opposition. And then I gave him 22 points when it comes to the eye test and then 10 points for the smoke. I wish I can give him 20 points for the smoke because he's not backing down from any competition. But overall, he has 79 points. So for me, number 10 is Juan Francisco Estrada. Number 10 on my list is Vasily Hitech Lomachenko. Now, Lomachenko, he's 16 and two uh, with 11 knockouts. Uh, of course, he has losses to Tiafimo Lopez and, and also uh, Orlando Salido, which was very early in his career. Uh, he's coming off that loss with Tiafimo Lopez, which uh, dropped him down on the list, but uh, dropped him down on the list uh, in, a, in the last, I believe, year. But he's rebound this year. He had a, a I went over Masayoshi Nakatani, which was uh, okay. But also that Richard Comey, it, it showed that, you know, he was back and he wanted to, you know, still want to compete against the top uh, lightweights in the division. Now for uh, uh, achievements, I have, well, as for, uh, yeah, quality opposition, I have him as a, a 25. Um, I didn't, Richard Comey was a, is a good win for him, and and way way looks against that Nakatani. Those will actually be good wins if it if if it wasn't Vasily Lomachenko, but but because of that, I, I give him that because those still are you know pretty solid victories. Um, he still says he wants to compete into the you know with the top tier of the lightweight uh, division. Uh, I gave him uh, twenty three for for uh, achievements. Um, this one's a little sketchy because I, I I got a little confused about what achievements were when I when I scored him, uh, but he did lose that title, so he doesn't have uh, currently have a title right now at lightweight. Um, but of course, he's accomplished what he accomplished. But in the last you know two years, it, it's pretty much you can tell that he's kind of you know since the Luke Campbell uh, victory, uh, he hasn't really been on on that level, even though he's still impressive. Uh, for eye tests, he's kind of he's still 25. Uh, he used to be higher, but you can tell that he's kind of sewing out a little bit, but he's still impressive. He's, he's very he's more impressive than someone else would be around uh, with this with his accomplishments and someone at the, at the stage of his career. Uh, for the smoke, I gave him eight um, because he, he's still willing to. to, to I, it's almost like having that loss probably did more for him because now he's really willing to to go after those challenges. But still, I, I didn't give him, I couldn't give him a ten because he hasn't done it yet. And and the lightweight division is probably one of the the, the deepest. And right now, when I look at him currently, he's one of those what, five or six lightweights that still won't fight each other. But he's the, but he is the one that gave Tiafimo Lopez a shot. So I give him an eight for that. So he had a total score. Of 83. So my number 10 was Vasily High Tech Lomachenko. So my number 10 was on your honorable mention, Bill. And I'm going to state my case. 
but uh, I had Shakur Stevenson at my number 10. Uh, he's 17 and 0 with nine knockouts. I know some might be thinking it's a little bit premature, but I'm explain. So in the past two years, he's been pretty active, but his most notable wins were against Joel Gonzalez for his first world title ever at 126, and his most recent win against Jamel Herring for his first world title at 130. Uh, he's been criticized for that less of performances, but in these fights specifically, he's shown that he can step up when it matters. I gave him a 22 in the quality of opposition category and 23 for achievements. Um, what catapulted him to the top for me was the eye test. I gave him a 27. Um, he, he pretty much dominated Herring in that fight, and he looked like the bigger, stronger fighter versus a guy who moved down in weight. And also his performance against Gonzalez a few years ago, um, when you look at that versus when Gonzalez fought Emeo Navarrete um, last year, I feel like Navarrete's performance, no slight to that, but it made me appreciate Stevenson's more because that was more of a slugfest and Stevenson kind of made it look easy. And so I gave him a 27 for the eye test. And really, he just that one, like you said, Bell, he just that one went away from like a Valdez from being at the top of 130. Um, and I gave him a seven for smoke. So his total score for me was a 79. Uh, so that's that number 10. And number nine, I won't belabor too much because you've already talked about him, Will, but I have Juan Francisco Estrada at number nine. Uh, you've already went over who he's beaten and, you know, you can't really front on his quality of opposition. So I gave him a 27 there. I gave him a 23 in achievements because he was able to avenge that Chocolatito loss as well as win the WBA belt in that division in the process. Uh, I gave him a 20 in the eye test because uh, just he, he's still a live dog if he fights anybody, but you know, there are still some people in his division who can give him problems. And um, I gave him a 10 in the smoke category. All right, bet. So for for me at number nine, I got the 23-year-old who's 7-0, 15 KOs. You know, they call him the dream, Devin Haney. In the past two years, he's beaten Yorkis Gamboa, Jorge Linares, and he's just had an impressive victory over Joseph Diaz. Now, as far as his achievements, he got the WBC title, you know, at the age of like 20, 21 years of age. You know, I got to factor in that he probably would have more uh, when it comes to accomplishments had he not been avoided by Lomachenko, had he not been avoided by Teofimo Lopez, had he not been avoided, it seems like Cambosis is changing his tune when it comes to Devin Haney. So I can't, you know, hold that against him. So when it comes to the eye test, to me, he has pretty much everything that you need to have with the exception of the power. You know, you got the footwork at some point. You got the, the speed. You got the skills. You got the defense. You know, they all on point. It's just the main thing that he's missing as far as the ingredients is the power. So, like I say, he's number nine on my list. I gave him 22 points. As far as the accomplishments or achievements, I should say, I gave him 23 when it comes to the level of competition. That's a pretty good resume within the past few years, even though you've been avoided by a lot of people. 
And then as far as the eye test, like I say, I took the five points off because he just likes the power, but you don't necessarily have to add a power in order to be a highly skilled, highly effective fighter, you know, hence Floyd Mayweather. So, and as far as the smoke, I can't see Devin Haney being somebody who's avoiding anybody. I see him calling out people like Tank. I see him calling out people like uh, Lomachenko. I see him calling people out like Tiafimo Lopez. So he wants all of the smoke. Needs 30 points when it comes to that, but I gave him the 10. So overall, he has 80 points. So my number nine fighter, pound for pound, currently is Devin the Dream Haney. My number nine fighter is no other than uh, Jarmel Charlo. Now, Jarmel Charlo, uh, he's coming off, of course, he, in, in 2020, he had that victory over Jason Rosario, which was very, very impressive. Uh, but he did go for the smoke. He went for the gusto. He, he went for the becoming the undisputed champion at 154 against Brian Castaño. Uh, and he, he struggled a bit in that fight. Uh, he was he was hurt, hurt early and not not really hurt bad, but, you know, stunned a little bit. Uh, but he also stunned uh, Brian Castaño as well. So I know a lot of people criticized him and thought that he lost that fight, but I, th I saw it as a fight that could go either way. And I didn't really have a winner for it. I thought a draw was, you know, necessary and it's no shame in, in having a draw against the other top guy in your division. Uh, so that fight was still, you know, he, he didn't lose too much in my eyes. I know he was higher last time, but it, he, he got dropped down because of that, that draw with Brian Castaño. Um, but for the quality opposition, I gave him, uh, you know, a 25. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's pretty much, it's not that many people in his weight class that he haven't fought. I mean, I, I, I wish I could get him higher. It's just based on, you know, this, the, 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 the talent level of 154, even though I think 154 is a solid division, it's not great. But when you look at who he's fought, I mean, he's pretty much uh, uh, head and show head. Uh, he's like a head over that division. The only other name out there is the guy that he drew with, which was Brian Castanio. Uh, Chimis, I gave him a 25. He has three of the four belts. Um, he has three of the four belts. Uh, and he, he went for that fourth belt. He didn't try to, like, you know, think of excuses to not fight Brian Castanio or move up, you know, and wait or anything like that. He went for the gusto, you know, and it didn't pay off. And Worked the way he would, he, he it could have, but you know, right now he he has three of the four belts. The eye test, I gave him a twenty-five. Of course, he had, you know he had, he's a uh, he's an underrated boxer. Um, I think because of his power, a lot of people just you know overlook the you know the jab that he has. You know, he has a great chin. You know, he moves around the ring well. He just it's just certain mistakes that he you know he makes just from being pretty textbook. But, you know, his chin makes up for it. He, does, he very rarely gets hurt. I mean, really, Brian Castanio fight was the only time I really saw him stun. But he, he's really, you know, a solid fighter. And I think, I think he's probably going to get better. I think even in that rematch with Brian Castanio, I would probably pick him, I would comfortably pick him to, to win that fight. Not saying that I'm 100% sure, but if I had to pick who would win that fight, that next fight between him and Brian Castanio, I would pick uh, Jamel Charlo. But the smoke... I uh, gave Jamel Charlo uh, an eight. Um, he pretty much went for most of the names at 154. He hasn't uh, moved up to 160 yet. Uh, I know his brother is there right now, but I know there's, there's you know, tougher fights for him that he, he can get. So he has a, a total score of 83. So my number eight for pound for pound on the pound for pound list is Jamel Charlo. All right. 
For my number eight, again, I won't belabor because he's already been discussed, but I have Vasily Lomachenko. Um, he's fought some, some pretty top-tier competition over the past two years. Uh, in his most recent two fights, he looked especially impressive against arguably top tens at lightweight. Um, so I gave him a 27 in quality opposition because he fought some of the best. Uh, there was a time in his career where he couldn't get those those fights. Um, and so I gave him a 27. I gave him a 22 in achievements because, you know, he did lose his belts against Teofimo Lopez Jr. And although he was injured in that fight, a loss is a loss. Um, but, you know, that's more so recent. He He's still a very accomplished fighter, obviously. I gave him a 27 in the eye test because although he is one of the smaller elite fighters in the lightweight division, his body seems to me to have filled out more since moving up to that division, and he seems to be able to take better punches as well as dish out more punishment. I do think that any of those bigger young fighters who are on the cusp of being physically forced to move up and wait are still giving him trouble, but I think that he's, he's still durable enough to hold his own against pretty much every lightweight in some capacity. And I gave him eight in the smoke category just because uh, he did give T from Lopez Jr. that chance to, to unify. And uh, he seems to want the better fighters. He's fought the best fighters he can fight since losing his, his titles. And he wants to fight for a championship now. So I gave him an eight in the smoke category for a total of 84. So for me, at number eight, I have the beast, Arthur Better Beef. Better Beave is 17, oh, 17 KOs. He's getting up there in age. He's 36 years of age right now. Within the past two years, he's defeated Adam Dines in March of 2021 via 11th round TKO. And he just defeated Marcus Brown this past December by KO when Marcus Brown didn't get up before the count. Now, as far as the style, you know, he has that brutal, ruthless, and at times when he's on point, it's, it's a clinical um, beatdown that he does of his opponents. You're not going to last 12 rounds with Arthur Better Beef if he's touching you. And so that's the reason why he's 17-0 with 17 KOs. It's as far as his achievements. He's the unified champ at 175. Um, he's has the WBC belt, also has the IBF belt that he collected in 2017. He got the WBC belt by beating probably either the first or second best at 175 when he beat um, Vostik in that unification matchup. Now, um, as far as the points are concerned for him, um, when it comes to quality of opposition within the past two years, I gave him a 21. As far as his achievements, being a unified champion at the 175 pound weight class, I gave him a 24. As far as his, the eye test, I give him high, high points. Like I say, just based on the fact that he's so heavy handed, you know, um, I gave him 27 points when it came to that. And then when it comes to the smoke, I don't see him avoiding anybody. You know, the only way and the only reason I took a point away is because we've just been waiting for that bibble fight. And I don't know why the fight just hasn't taken place as a promotional i don't see either guy really being afraid of each other so i can't really i just don't understand so i had to take a point away just based on the fact that it just hasn't taken place 
and we all want to see that fight. So my number eight with 81 points is going to be Arthur Better Beef. Now, at number seven, I got the Gypsy King. He's 31-0 with um, one draw against Deontay Wilder. He has 22 KOs. He's 33 years of age. His accomplishments within the past, or I should say his quality of opposition within the past two years, basically the past three years, he's been seeing the same man over and over and over again. That's Deontay Wilder. But within the past two years, he knocked out Deontay Wilder, got a seventh round TKO victory. And then he also just did away with Wilder, you know, to end this trilogy in superb fashion with an 11th round KO victory, which could have been a fight of the year back in 2021. So that's his uh, quality of opposition. As far as the achievements, you can go back to when he was the WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO champ when he defeated Vladimir Klitschko to end his reign. Um, then you can look now when he defeated Deontay Wilder, who had, I want to say, around 10 title defenses. So that's a, a pretty nice um, amount of accomplishments that this man has in the heavyweight division. You know, as far as his style is concerned, he he's unpredictable. You know, he's unpredictable in and out of the ring. But sometimes, you know, he might swarm his opponent, you know, to disrupt their rhythm. He might um, just box you to death. You know, he can counterpunch. I mean, he can pretty much do it all inside the ring. And so as far as the points are concerned, for, I gave him 26 points when it comes to the quality of opposition. I gave him 27 points when it came to the accomplishments. And the only reason that I took a couple points away because really he could get 30. But again, with, with, with Tyson Furious, it's like little clouds that you have over some of the things that he's done. And I don't think that it needs to be that way um, because he's really talented, you know, or he's talented enough not to have these things that are just lingering around. For instance, when he kind of had some drug issue when it came to his victory after the um, victory, you know, they stripped him of his title, you know, and all of that type of stuff. So I just took a couple of points away um, just based on, you know, that as well as a few other things that have transpired in his career. Now, as far as the eye test, I gave him a 24. I'm just not so sure that if he was at a lower weight class, would he be able to get away with some of the things that he does against the heavyweights that he's facing? But at the heavyweight, in the heavyweight uh, division, you know, he's, he's a handful uh, for those guys just because he's just so slippery and he has such know-how against them. You know, I don't know if he was fighting guys like Terrence um, Crawford, Errol Spence um, at lower weight classes, if they were the same weight, you know, would he be able to get away with those things? And then as far as the smoke, I gave him a six. Again, the unpredictable nature of him. I think that he's willing to fight big fights, but I took the four points away because I'm not so sure of his willingness to fight, like not the elite guys. I think he's for that. But I think that when it comes to people like a Dillian White or people like that, think that he has trouble getting up for somebody like that. So he might avoid some of those fights. And then also the fact that he really didn't want to take the water fight. He took it. But if you remember, he was doing everything that he could to avoid that fight. Although he was trying to fight somebody like a Joshua um, instead. But at the same time, it's just the fact that he didn't, um, wasn't really a man of his word when it came to what he was supposed to do in that situation. Just all of those little small things, 
that's the reason why I took the points away. But all in all, I gave him 83 points. So he's my number seven fighter on my pound for pound list. My number seven on my pound for pound list uh, is Errol the Troop Spence. Now, Errol, um, he's coming off uh, a a pretty solid victory over uh, Danny Garcia in, in December of 2020. Uh, but he was set to fight um, Manny Pacquiao in August. He was injured. Uh, he had a, he reportedly had an eye injury where he had to pull out of the fight. Uh, so the only victory he had to, 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 to base him off of was the Danny Garcia victory, was uh, which was over a year ago. Uh, so for um, quality opposition, I gave him a 25 because Danny Garcia is pretty, you know, he's a top He's a top, he's a solid welterweight, top welterweight. He give uh, when you look at his resume, he hasn't had a a pretty a win against a decent opposition in a, in, a, in a while. But at the same time, when you look at his, even his losses, he's close in every loss pretty much. And Errol Spence, the fight with Errol Spence, was the only time that it wasn't that close. Uh, so it's a solid victory for Errol Spence. But I docked five points because he hasn't had any you know any fights after that, and I can't base it off of what's going to happen in the future. So for uh, achievements, I gave him a 25. You know, he has, I believe, uh, two of the four belts. Um, he's probably the only guy at weight with more than one belt. Um, he's beaten, you know, a few top competition at uh, welterweight. Uh, so I gave him a 25. For the eye test, I gave him a 26. Uh, he's a solid fighter. You know, he, he works his jab. He goes to the body, which I like. He really, really digs into that body. Um, he is hittable, but he, because he has a chin, he makes up for it uh, particularly. And, he, you know, he can get nasty and down. Uh, he, he does have some, you know, some grit about him. Uh, but but sometimes I, I do see him, you know, labor a little bit in, in certain fights, even though he's pushing the fight and he's really, you know, he can be brutal on another fight. I think when he's doing that, he's also brutal on himself also. Uh, I think it's taking a toll on his body. So for the smoke, I give him an eight. Uh, he's always willing to seek out top opposition. It's just, I docked those two points because it's, it's, you know, it's that one guy that he, he just doesn't seem to want to, you know, get in the ring with and he's keep pushing it off. And I, I just can't give him a 10 for, for smoke that he didn't go for. So uh, I give him an a, a eight. He has a total score of 84. So my, my powerful pound number seven is Errol the, the True Spence. So my number seven pound for pound is also Errol True Spence at 27 and 0 with 21 knockouts. Um, Vel pretty much covered it, did a great job of it. So I just go over my reasons. Um, I gave him a 28 in quality of opposition and 26 in achievements respectively because, you know, he does have two of the four major belts in the division. And I can't really count the two substantial injuries he's had against him. And I respect that, I mean, basically everyone that he fought has been, you know, top, Mikey Garcia was arguably top 10 pound for pound at the time that he fought him. Uh, Sean Porter, you know, he, he makes for an ugly fight with anybody, but he was a top five welterweight. Danny Garcia was considered, you know, pretty close to top five, top 10 welterweight at the time. And on top of that, the timing of it, he could have came back from a career and life-threatening injury and fought a tuna, but he came back and fought one of the best. And so I gave him that 28 and a 26 in achievements. 
I give him a 26 for the eye test because, you know, although I don't know how, I don't know much medically about his eye injury. And although he's been cleared, I think of it in two ways. One, are these things going to have a long-term effect on him? And two, who he will probably have to face moving forward. Now, realistically, he may get a Keith Thurman or someone that I think he can beat, but in terms of what's, you know, the demand of the sport, uh, the guys who he'll be expected to face are either like a Bud Crawford, who I personally think can beat him, or one of the young hungry lions like a Boots Ennis or Virgil Ortiz. All those fighters have some dog in them and a killer instinct that uh, Spence seemed to lack in that Garcia fight. Now, I gave him an eight in the smoke category, uh, but also bearing in mind that he's taken big challenges in his past two fights, especially that last one. But, you know, he still hasn't mentioned the name that we all want him to mention. So I gave him an eight there. So my total score for him was 88. So that was my number seven, Errol Spence. My number six, I have the Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor sitting at 18 to 0 with 13 knockouts. In the past two years, he's been Ivan Baranchik, Regis Progre, Apinan Kongsong, and Jose Ramirez. And he is now the undisputed champ at the super lightweight division. So I could easily give him a, a 27 for his achievements. I gave him a 28 in quality of opposition because he's beaten three of the current top fighters in the division. And I gave him a 26 with the eye test. Um, although he's won those fights convincingly, pretty convincingly, um, I don't get like that invincibility factor with him. Um, but, you know, obviously still a great fighter. His accomplishment speaks for themselves. And I gave him a nine in the smoke category for a total of 90 points for my guy, number six, Josh Taylor. All right, for me at number six, I also have Josh Taylor, the 18 and no, at 13 KO gentleman, like you said, the Tartan Tornado, 31 years of age. Now, how I got to the number six ranking with Josh is within the past two years, I had him beating um, Khan Song, um, who got hit with the body shot and sung his swan song. And then I also um, looked at the impressive victory that he had over Jose Ramirez, that 12 round unanimous decision where he dropped Ramirez twice. You know, that's pretty impressive. So as far as the quality of opposition, you know, the fact that he unified the belts against the other top fighter in his weight class, I gave him 27 points for quality of opposition. As far as the accomplishments, you know, even I gave him 25 as far as that's concerned. Um, he is the undisputed champion. And you made a point of him not looking invincible. And I know I'm gonna get a little grief for this, but I don't necessarily see the junior welterweights that particular class as being one of the top divisions in boxing. Good division, you know, I'm not, you know, taking a dump on those guys. I'm just saying that it's not like it's the welterweight division. You know, I think that that right there, it's not like it's the lightweight division. You know, that'd be a little bit different. And so that's the only reason, um, but either way, you know, quality fighter, you know, he has the ability to counter punch, you know, with the best of them, especially with that left hand. He's a good inside fighter. He can switch hit, you know, and then just like in the Kong Song fight, you know, he's an excellent body puncher. So 
when it comes to the eye test. And again, it's going to sound like I'm harsh on old Josh. I gave him 22 points because I just think that if he faced, there's certain guys that I see him not faring well against if he's to fight those guys. I gave him a 10 when it comes to the smoke because he's not or dies of anybody. He's willing to face anybody. And I also want to emphasize the fact that he's looking to face the top pound for pound fighter in Terrence Crawford, which I think would be, you know, a, a, a easy victory for Terrence. But the fact that he has that fighter's mentality and it's in his heart to seek out the best, you know, I have to give him a 10 when it came to the smoke. But all in all, you know, with the 25 points for um, achievements, 27 points for, no, it's the 25 points for quality of opposition, 27 points for achievements, and then it's 22 points for eye test, and then 10 points for the smoke. He ended up with 84 points altogether. Yeah, my number six uh, is the same as you guys had it, uh, Josh Taylor. Um, solid fighter. Uh, he's pretty much running the table at 140 right now. Uh, he's an undisputed champion. Uh, one of the few, one of the few that's you know, on, well, on this list, once once you get to a certain part of the list, is it's either you, you you either you know run a table or you have ran the table or you have the lineal title. Uh, and Josh Taylor, even though he doesn't always look impressive, he's currently run a table at one and 140 but, but quality opposition i gave him a 25 because the the he, he he's fought in the best that he could he went through a tournament at 140 even though 140 is not as deep of as a division as let's say 135 or even 147 and he's but i mean he currently doesn't fight that those weight classes you know yet he hasn't decided to move up or even move down if he could but he's fought in the best that he could at the time so i give him a 25 uh, for achievements, also give him a, a 25. He's currently, you know, running a table at 140. He hasn't explored any options to, you know, move up and wait or do anything like that. But he's currently running running the table. Um, and of course, you have the the politics in boxing where there's interim titles, and and we and we know that uh, at one point uh, Mario Barrios picked up a WBA uh, a title, which I think it was it might have been a particular title, a special title that WBA created that Jamonte Davis currently, you know, has when, when Davis beat him. So even with that, I, I still look at Josh Taylor's champion at 140, and he pretty much earned it. Uh, the eye test, I give him a, a 25. Uh, he's, not, he's not always impressive, but he gets the job done. Uh, he always, you know, grits his wins out, even though the, a lot of his, you know, his wins be close, he gets it done. Uh, he doesn't always look impressive. If he looked more impressive, I, I would give him more points for, you know, the eye test. But somehow it works. Uh, for the smoke, I give him a 10. Uh, Danny, you already said it. Um, the way I see it, I mean, he's willing to fight anyone. He, he went through a tournament just like someone like Ajit Ward did, where he didn't, he didn't really have a choice who to fight unless he would have pulled out, but he didn't. Uh, and he earned his stripes. And, and now he's looking at, you know, the pound for pound, uh, one of the best pound for pound fighters, you know, today he's looking, he's looking at that fight. Um, now, whether he gets that fight or not, who knows, but the fact that he, yeah, he really wants that fight and he's not one of those fighters that's going to say, I want to fight this guy and don't do it. He's not that type of guy. He'll get in the ring with him. So I give him a 10 for the smoke. So the total score for Josh Taylor is 85 and he's my number six uh, pound for pound.
My number five on the pound for pound list uh, is Terrence Bud Crawford. Um, Bud Crawford, he's, he's a favorite of mine. I, I like the way he fought. You know, he fought against uh, Sean Porter, even though, he, you know, it seemed to, to have some trouble. But we'll talk about that later. Um, for the quality opposition, I give him a 22. Uh, he only has, in the past two years, he only has two, big, two uh, victories to judge him on. That's Kell Brook, which isn't, you know, the current version of Kell Brook isn't much. But that Sean Porter victory is what really, you know, keeps him in the game. It's, it's kind of it's, it's it's kind of, the way that fight went is twofold. We've seen that that fight was even up to the end, which most Sean Porter fights are, are usually you know close fights. Uh, but you know Bud Crawford turned it up and pretty much you know stopped them. Uh, and you know a lot of people were saying you know that he hasn't you know people were questioning whether he wanted to fight those type of fights, and he took on you know one of those fights, which was against. Uh, Sean Porter and he stopped him. Uh, for achievements, I give him a 26. Um, of course, he hasn't really ran the table at 147. He hasn't gotten the fights he won at, at 147, so I had to dock those points. But I but he still has it gets a 26 because he was the man at 135 and he was the man at 140. Um, even though those weight divisions wasn't as you know uh vast as, as you know what's weight currently is. Um he was at the when he was at those weights, he fought the best available guys at those weights and ran the table. And he moved up because he wasn't feeling challenged at those weights. So I give him a 26 for the eye test. I give him a 29. Normally he gets a 30, but I thought in that Sean Porter fight, he took too long to really, you know, you know, uh get going. But what I did see in that fight, though, he never seemed like he was, even though he was taking, you know, take some shots and he never seemed out of his comfort zone it was like an evil uh an even fight and he looked throughout that fight like he could turn it on whenever he wanted to and when it, once his coach said hey look i think you're down i think they got winning he turned it on and stopped him in the next round it's like how much what much can you ask from you know he showed you uh who he is pretty much and the smoke i gave him a nine uh he, he went after a lot, of, a lot of people were saying he didn't want to you know fight Sean Porter, he went after Sean Porter and stopped him dead in his tracks. Nobody's ever done that. He took him out. You know, even even if you had that 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 mature stoppage, I mean, I didn't think it was going to fare well for for Sean Porter, and even he knew it. Um, but I docked that point because, of course, he he still hasn't. You know, I haven't heard any type of you know it, when you can't get the fight with the guy you want. There still is always a young gun, even though they're risky and people are not always expected to fight those fights. There is that Boots Ennis or Virgil Ortiz and all those guys if you can't get, you know, a fight with Errol Spence, you know. So really when I look at it, Errol Spence is the only fight that, that he really needs to really, you know, pump him up. So he has a total score of 86. So my number five on the pound for pound list is Terrence Bud Crawford. Now, my number five and four was actually a two-way tie. And so I am going to, based on the points at least, and so I want to take the liberty of kind of choosing the number five and number four. Uh, my number five, I have Nayoa Inoue. He is 22 and 0 with 19 knockouts. Uh, now in the past two years, he's beaten Emmanuel Rodriguez, Nonito Donaire, Jason Maloney, Michael Dasmarinas, and Aaron Depayne. And he beat them all by knockout except for Donaire. I gave him a 26 for a quality of opposition and I gave him a 26 for achievements because in the grand scheme of things, 
Uh, he did unify the belts during his time period. And, you know, he had to satisfy some mandatories, which, you know, not really much you can do about that. Uh, I gave him a 20, a 29 in the eye test because although he looked vulnerable in that Donair fight, um, he had what it took to get it done. And he's otherwise has looked pretty unstoppable against everybody else that he's fought. And I gave him a nine in the smoke test in the smoke category because um, he hasn't fought all of the best competition, but he seems to be willing to fight whoever they put in front of him. All right, so for me, for number five, I got the monster in New Way. You know, he's 22-0 with 17 KOs. He's 28 years old. Um, Some of the things you mentioned, Danny, as far as the um, competition that he's had in that time frame, I won't uh, repeat that information. As far as his accomplishments, you know, he's had the WBA and IBF Super Bantamweight Championships. He had has the WBA IBF Bantamweight. Um, he's had a lot of belts, you know. So he's he's moved up several weight classes, and he's been unified champion in several of those weight classes. So you know, he's done a lot. You know, you you can't take away from his ambition, you know, and his and ability to be able to move up in these weight classes and be successful and be the dominant person in those weight classes. So that's a huge accomplishment for uh, a new way. Uh, as far as the skill is concerned, you know, he's one of the most skillful fighters that you have in a sport of ice, very sharp jab, subtle, effective um, defensive maneuvers that he has. He showed that against Nonito Donaire. Um, he body punches with the best of them. You know, he has a superb left hook, Hala Felix Trinidad. So the skills are there, you know. Um, as far as the quality of opposition, those names that you mentioned, Danny, that's the only thing. I just wish he had, you know, better dance partners. So within that time frame, I gave him a 22, although he's been very active, you know, for somebody of his caliber. And then as far as the accomplishments, you know, I gave him a 27. You know, when it comes to that, I gave 20 seven when it comes to the eye test there's a couple things that you know you can see that nonito was trying to take advantage of in their fight but you know and nonito is a is a very accomplished fighter himself you know so it, it's still sharp and steel so i took a couple points off so as far as three points when it comes to the eye test but he's supreme it, man like this dude right here has all of the skills uh, when it comes to the smoke I just took one point off because I think that when it comes to competition, if he truly, and this is going to seem a lot of, a little crazy now because the Casemiro Regal fight, they both didn't really didn't want to throw any punches, but I thought that at some point now that he should have faced Regal, especially a couple of years back, you know, by now so I just took one point I don't know why that fight never took place you know it may have not even been his fault but I did hear Rigo call his name out in the past and so that's the only thing that I could um, take a point off for so all in all at 85 I have at number five the monster in new way now at number four I got the truth man the truth uh, he is 27-0 with 21 KOs he's 31 years old He's out of D-Town, you know, Dallas stand up. That's where I stayed for 14 years. You know, I might go back there when it's all said and done. This has no bearing on where I rank here with the truth, Spence. He is an excellent fighter in the sport of boxing. 
and a time frame that we're looking at here as far as his quality of opposition. I believe you mentioned this, Vail. He fought Danny Garcia. I gave him high points for that because it's not how many times he's fought. It's who you fought. And he's fighting in probably the best, deepest weight division in boxing. And so to, to pick somebody off like Danny Garcia winning like eight to four, I haven't seen anybody defeat Danny Garcia in that wide of margin, even when it comes to Keith Thurman, even when it comes to Sean Porter, you know, those fights were razor thin. It could have went either way. Very impressive victory. Um, also being in the toughest weight division, I have two of the belts. That's the, that's a huge accomplishment. You know, um, also when you think about accomplishments, you have to factor in that he's one of the top cash cows in boxing when it comes to pay-per-views. So that's something you have to factor in when you talk about his accomplishments and achievements. As far as the skills are concerned, I rank Mr. Spence very high when it comes to this. He's a superb boxer puncher, one of the best boxer punchers in the game. He has very tactical aggression. Some guys are a little bit more reckless. He's not. You know, he always talk about following, you know, what he does, you know, lead with that jab. Excellent jab. You saw that against Mikey Garcia. Um, oh, he has bone breaking body punching ability, you know, so I have to give him high points when, he, when it comes to skill, man, you know, he's a counter puncher with excellent defense. He's the truth, you know, so when it comes to the eye test, I gave him 28 points. When it comes to the accomplishments, I gave him 25. The only reason I took five points off is because sometimes we talk about a pound for pound list. It, you, 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 you split in hairs. So he's been at 147 for throughout his whole career. And some guys have been moving up, but again, this is the best division in boxing. Why would you move around when that's where all of the money is? So, you know, I could actually increase the amount of points but I think 25 is, is good. And then when it comes to the quality of opposition, the only reason I gave him 24, he could get 25, is that he's only fought once, you know, but that is a quality victory that he had against Danny Garcia. But with 86 points, I got Arrow to True Spence. My number four on the pound for pound list is none other than Alexander Usyk. Now, Alexander Usyk, um, just a very, very talented fighter. He has a very, very talented uh, amateur background. He ran the table at uh, cruiserweight, and he moved, and he had his his first fight at well, he had a, a few fights at heavyweight. But the the victory that's definitely in my mind is that victory over uh, Anthony Joshua, which happened uh, last summer. Uh, I thought that was a just just a uh, actually last fall. I thought that was just a, a very, very gutsy, gutsy uh, performance by him. You know, uh, it was interesting because Anthony Joshua tried to, to you know, outbox Usyk and he fought an interesting strategy. And, and Usyk had, with, with his counters, he was so sharp a, a fighter and so poised that he had Joshua, who was a much bigger fighter, much uh, stronger fighter. He had him on retreat most of the fight. Um, and just the fact that people were even you know, looking at him against, you know, the top echelon of, of heavyweight, which is, you know, the Tyson Furies and, and, and Deontay Wilder. It's just the, and just the fact that people are even looking, him, looking at him in that regard. And, and when they look at a rematch with him and, and Anthony Joshua, they're like, ah, oh, he'll, he'll be Anthony Joshua. Just that alone uh, uh, just makes me a believer. Because I, I actually, when I, when I first 
start hearing about Usyk a lot. I didn't used to always, you know, get the hype. I understood he was running the table at cruiserweight, um, but it was just something about him that I, I didn't see what, that was that, you know, extraordinary. But now I'm, I'm starting to see it. You know, he's just a, he's just so poised that that. It, that it probably gets on fighters' nerves. So for quality of opposition, I give him a, a 25. Uh, he ran the table at cruiserweight. He moved up. He fought uh, Derek Chisora in, in 2020, which is a you know a tough guy. He's one of those tough heavyweights that you can test uh, test yourself against. And he beat Derek Chisora. But then he went to the, the fight with Anthony Joshua, who is pretty much. Uh, one of the champions and got the belts off Anthony Joshua, which I thought was a very impressive victory for, for Usyk. When, when those fights between Joshua and Fury and Joshua and Wilder uh, could happen, they, they, they thought they could, you know, pick on a Usyk and Usyk showed them, you know, I'm in this conversation too. Uh, for achievements, I gave him a 25. Again, he ran the table at cruiserweight. He moved up and got the belts at heavyweight. And now he's looked at as one of those kings of heavyweights. And now he's in a position for a super fight. For the eye test, I give him a 28. Uh, Usyk is just so, you know, poised. He, he, it's almost like he, he, he blends his, t- his technical expertise with, like, his, you know, his reflexes and boxing ability that he seems so comfortable in that ring. Um, it, it, it's interesting. Um, and, and, and even when you look at, you know, potential fights down the line with like, you know, guys like Louis Ortiz and, and Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, it's hard to say uh, who do you who do you think is going to beat him? Because one thing about, about Usyk is he's always on. He's never like off. He never has an off day, you know, off, you know, off night. He's always on. He's always focused. He's always relaxed. Um, he's never out of shape. He's always in shape. He doesn't treat you know, training camp, like a weight loss camp. And, and I think he just found his groove. So I give him a 28. I give him a, for the smoke category, I give him a 10 because again, he moved up and just went straight to the, the championship and got one of the, the, you know, one of the, the dangerous champions uh, at the heavyweight division and pretty much picked him off. So I, I, he has a, uh, he has a total score of 88. So number four on my pound for pound list is Alexander Usyk. Number four for me, was Terrence Bud Crawford. I gave him a 26 for quality of opposition, and really it wouldn't have been that high if it weren't for Porter. I gave him a 27 for achievements because although he successfully defended his WBO strap, um, you know, he hasn't fought the top level competition that we wanted him to fight at welterweight, but I also had to take into account what he's done at lightweight and super lightweight, running the tables there. Um, I also gave him an eight in the smoke category for that reason. Um, you know, I kind of, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but, you know, on one hand, like, you know, he was under top rank and top rank got the fights that they got, but he also made a decision to re-sign the top rank and they were already kind of doing that before he re-signed. And so, you know, I kind of had to dock him for that. Like he seems to want to fight the best, but uh, it's like the fans want the best him to fight the best more than he does, kind of. Um, but I gave him a 29 for the eye test because I genuinely believe he is probably, today at least, he's probably the best worth weight in the division to me. But I gave him a total of 90 points. Um, so my number four was Terrence Crawford. Now, number three, I had the Gypsy King Tyson Fury. Uh, in the past two years, he's pretty much beaten Deontay Wilder twice by knockout. Um, 
but it, it actually didn't want to see the third Wilder fight, but it made for the 2021 fight of the year. And Wilder is still a top four heavyweight. So in that sense, I gave him a 29 for the quality of opposition and the 26 of achievements because of, you know, reasons that you guys have already stated. I gave him a 29 in the eye test because it's hard for, for me at least to imagine any other heavyweight beating him due to his unique combo of size and boxing ability. And I gave him a 28 in the, and I gave him an eight in the smoke category. Um, I do think that he, based, based on his abilities, I do think he could probably compete in the, in the lower weight class, but that's really up to the interpretation of, of each fan. So I can see other people saying otherwise, but I gave him a total of 92 points for my number three, Tyson Fury. All right, so for, no, for me at number three, I got the big cat or the cat, Alexander Usyk, 19 and 0, 13 KOs, 34 years old, out of the Ukraine. In the two-year time frame, he had the 12-round decision over Derek Tesora, and then the impressive historical victory against Anthony A.J. Joshua uh, back in December uh, when he scored a 12-round decision to capture and become the unified heavyweight champion. Now with Usyk, very accomplished fighter, you know, going all the way back to the Olympics. And then um, he's held the, all of the belts at cruiserweight. So he was the undisputed champ there. He has currently the WBA, IBF, WBO um, heavyweight belts. Um, so what more can you say with that? Um, as far as the skills are concerned, you know, I was lowballing him at first. I didn't, I couldn't see it. You know, I didn't know what the big, you know, fuss was about when it came to this guy. And I wasn't really recognizing the champions that he was defeating at cruiserweight with the exception of Huck and a few other guys. But I just didn't think, you know, much of it. But after I end up watching a little bit more of him, you can see the fast hands that he has, fast feet, the great stamina the way he's able to use angles, the pawing jab that he uses to set up his opponents, you know, the pressure that he's able to apply, apply, you know, the pressure is sometimes it's the physical pressure. It depends on who he's fighting. He's going to do whatever it is he needs to do to be victorious. So sometimes he can come forward, but sometimes it's just the mental pressure of the way that he's moving, the, the balance that he has, where it's different angles and, He's coming forward, he's stepping back, he's stepping side to side. And it's like, you don't know what he's going to do because he's so quick and he's able to get in there and hit you with those single shots. And it's like, that's the mental pressure that you have to endure for 12 rounds against him. And a lot of times those big guys just, they can't handle it because where else are they going to experience that with the exception of facing Usyk? It's like facing someone who's about 210, 215, but they're moving like a middleweight. They're moving like a, a welterweight. So that's the impressive thing that you have to think about when it comes to this impressive boxer out of the Ukraine. So when it comes to the uh, level of opposition, I gave him 27. Because um, I factored in a Chisora performance. You know, I think when we discussed that fight, we were saying that we were not overly impressed, you know, when it came to that fight. But again, after I reviewed it and I started looking at what Usyk was bringing to the table, you know, it's Monday morning quarterback, but I was like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing. He knows that he has it in the bank and why put himself in, 
you know, jeopardy of being able to give Chisor any opportunity to do the one thing that will give him the best chance of being victorious. And so he did what he had to do there, but it still wasn't, you know, to the naked eye, it just wasn't an impressive victory there. The AJ fight is a 30, but all, you know, putting those together, I gave him 27. When it comes to the accomplishments, I mean, what more can you ask a man that's his, his height? I mean, that is, that's his weight, you know, to be undisputed at cruiserweight, to be a unified champion at heavyweight. There are very few people who can say that they've done that. And so I gave him 30 there. When it comes to the eye test, I gave him a 26. And the reason why I gave him a 26, and I, again, I could be lowballing Usyk, but I'm thinking, you know, when I look at, at those bigger guys, I'm thinking if they were if they were smaller, would they be able to pull off what's making them so successful at those? Would they be able to do that if they were a smaller weight class? And when I look at guys like a um, Terrence Crawford, a Canelo, a Spence, uh, a New Way, and all of those guys, I think the skill level is is higher uh, with them but not by much. So when it comes to that, I gave him a 26. When it came to the smoke, gave him a 10. I mean, what again, what else can you ask the man? He took on this giant and Anthony Joshua. He cleaned out his weight class previously. So he gets a 10 there. All together, he has 93 points. So my number three fighter on my pound for pound list is the cat, Alexander Usyk. My number three uh, on the pound for pound list is, is none other than a Gypsy King. Uh, Tyson Fury. If you if you if you ask anyone today who's the heavyweight champ, and that's normal when when it comes to boxing, you talk to people who are casual fan, not even casual fan. You talk to the, the, the average person. Like if I if I ask my my mother and I were talking about boxing, she probably ask so so who's the heavyweight champion? That's always comes up. Who's the heavyweight champion? And if, you, and if anyone follows boxing, yeah, we have all these belts, but when you look at who's the man to be the heavyweight, it's obviously. Uh, Tyson Fury. Um, now Tyson Fury is coming off uh, in the last two years. He's come off two victories over uh, Deontay Wilder, and th- not only are two victories, there are two knockout victories, there are two stoppages. Which you know, we when you look at it in in the right lens, you know, a guy we talked about earlier, Louis Ortiz, he couldn't, you know, he, he had the same two tries against Deontay Wilder. Bermain Stavern had the same two tries. Uh, against Deontay Wilder. We look at Tyson Fury, he has three tries. In the first fight, he arguably won, but it was a draw. You know, a lot of guys had a chance against Wilder and he got put to sleep. They didn't get up like Tyson Fury. So, in quality opposition, I give him uh, Tyson Fury, I give him a 28. Uh, he beat the most dangerous guy at heavyweight, the one that everyone said he was avoiding. He beat him two times. And if you, based on who you asked, he beat him three times. Uh, and that was kind of, he probably would have fought someone else if he didn't have to, you know, deal with that rematch clause. But he took it and he pretty much put it to bed. And, it, and it's, not a, it's not even a conversation anymore. So for achievements, I give him a 27. Um, he's still not, he, of course, he, he was once the lineal champion at, at heavyweight and he had all the belts. But as soon as he, you know, he had mental issues and, and relinquished those belts, it's been like, struggle for him to get it back so until he gets those championship uh the rest of those championships back uh still at 27 i mean of course Usyk is the other champion so i think he needs to fight 
uh, Usyk possibly. Hopefully that fight happens. And and he, who knows? Another a fight with uh, Anthony Joshua. That's still on the horizon for the for the UK, and that's still a big fight. And hopefully that happens. For the eye test, I give Tyson Fury a twenty-five. Uh, he he doesn't always look impressive as far as from uh, you know standing shape. But when we look him in the ring, he's so t- he's 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 talented. Also, you know, he, for a guy his size, I, it's hard to see many guys his size moving the way he does. And as and the inter- most interesting thing about him. For a guy his size, who's you know six foot eight, six foot nine, you know, 260, 270 pounds. Lots, I'll say more than half the time he's faster than the smaller guy. He's more, he's more agile than than, than smaller guy, than the smaller guy. He's quicker than the smaller guy, and even sometimes he has more stamina than the smaller guy. So I give him a, for for the eye test when you look at him against his opposition, I give him a twenty eight because of those things. He's just so something about him that's just so, so much of an enigma. He, he's always fast. He's always the faster fighter most of the time. He's always the quicker fighter. He's not always the stronger fighter, but he, but he, like, for example, in a fight with him and, and Wilder, even though Wilder punched harder, Tyson Fury was the puncher in that fight. So that, that's the things I look at when I look at the eye test. For the smoke, I give him a nine. Of course, I can't give him that, that point because, of course, he hasn't fought, you know, Anthony Joshua. But, I mean... W- and he, and he has he still hasn't fought uh, Usyk, who just you know got that belt, picked up that uh, belt from Anthony Joshua. But hey, look, everyone said he was running from Anthony from uh, Deontay Wilder, and he put Anthony Wilder out his he put uh, Deontay Wilder out of his misery. Pretty much, he uh, stopped him standing up the first time and put him down the second time. So how much what, what more can you ask from you know? Uh, personally, I wish he would fight, fight more and stay in shape more prime. Uh, is passing them by, and I and I think he would he would do more if he stayed more active. But I give I still give him a nine for the smoke category because he's willing to you know he's not afraid of anyone I don't think. So the total score for uh, Tyson Fury, um, actually I gave him an eight for the eye test. So so total score for Tyson Fury is an eighty nine. Uh, my pound my pound for pound uh, two I'm pound for pound three is Tyson Fury. Number two is. Naomi Anui, and I know I always butcher his name because I can't pronounce names right, but I know who he is. It's my guy, your guy, you know. Um, Anui, just, 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 just I, I, I look at him just kind of in, in, in the same way I look at, I used to look at Roman Gonzalez. He's a guy that because he's low in weight, that he can get overlooked sometimes. But sometimes what he's doing is kind of special, you know what I'm saying? He's, He's coming off that victory against uh, Nonito Donaire, and people forget Nonito Donaire. The only guy to beat Nonito Donaire at a low weight was uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux, you know. And um, of course, this is the older Nonito Donaire. And in that fight, we saw we saw something we haven't seen before. We saw Anui get, you know, someone put up some type of uh, aggression against Anui, and Anui pretty much almost. Anui fought through that that fight and he toughed that fight out. But at the same time, he also put Donaire on his heels, also. You know, and and if you see Donaire at these lower weights, the only thing he's really been troubled by is pretty much boxing skill, which is what Rigondeaux provide. We've never seen Donaire hurt at those lower weights, but uh, Anui was the first one to 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 really do that. You know, at that weight, he, he uh, hurt him with a body shot and almost pretty much stopped him if uh, Donaire wouldn't have. You know, turn his back, and we know how high I am. I am on Donaire, 
even though he's at the later stage of his career, he's still a, a, a tough fight for him, for, you know, for anybody who's not, who's not Guillermo rigging down. And even today, I would, I would think that he's a tough uh, rigging down. But, but quality opposition at gave Inouye at 26. Of course, 122 is not, 118 is not the deepest division. Um, but, I mean, what can he do? He can either move down and fight a Roman Gonzalez or Juan Francisco Estrada, or he can move up and fight a, uh, a Stephen Fulton or a Brandon Figueroa. But, I mean, you can only fight who's in your weight class, and he's pretty much running the table as weight class. I mean, what more can you ask for him? He, bought, he fought Jason Maloney, who was an up-and-coming guy, and uh, stopped him, and he, and he fought uh, Michael Desmarinus. Now, the, the, the names aren't really, you know, big names. I mean... Those are is, like when I compare him against someone like let's say a a Terrence Crawford, someone who fights at welterweight. Uh, Terrence Crawford, by no, by not too much far of his own, you know he's in he, he's he's at his weight class with all these other guys that he, he just he can't seem to get a fight with. And no way that it's not in that situation. He's at a weight class where he's kind of Terrence Crawford when Terrence Crawford was at 135, 140, where the talent level is just so high and it's not too many names in there that it's just, you know, he's just running through those guys. Uh, achievements, I give him a, um, I give him a new way at 28. I mean, he's pretty much the man at 118 at weight until he moves down or moves up, whatever he decides to do, he's the man at that weight, you know, and, and, until someone knocks him off. Uh, for eye test, I give him a 28. Uh, and you brought this up earlier, uh, Will. He like you know the, the type of puncher he is. He's like Felix Trinidad. I mean, he he he's one of the, that left hook is like very like when I, when I look at his left hook, I look at like a Felix Trinidad or Oscar De La Hoya, where it's like, or even a, a Nanito Donaire, where it's something that you have to look out for. And Donaire is the only other guy that, that I really saw, you know, put it up a danger for, for to him. But that's only because Donaire is, is like. Donaire is one of those fighters who's very sharp in exchanges. And we saw uh, Anui, you know, weather that storm and put Donaire on his heels and finish that fight and won it. So, uh, and, I, and, and up to that point or even after, I haven't seen anyone trouble Anui like that. So I give Anui a 28 for the eye test. For the smoke, for the smoke uh, I give Anui a nine. Um, I, I, I took away that point again. I can't I really penalize him too much from not moving down or moving up, but that option is still there. Um, but he gets a nine because he fought all the people you, you would want him to fight. I mean, the only person he, he possibly can fight besides Donaire, which is someone he already beat, is uh, Rigandau. And, and that's based on what, you know, what Rigandau would want to do. So I give him a, I give Anui, Anui a total score of 91. Number two on my pound for pound list, Naomi Anui. For my number two, um, you guys have already discussed him, um, so I won't do too much on him, but I have Alexander Usyk at number two. Um, I gave him a 29 for quality of opposition because although Chizora isn't an elite heavyweight, he did what he needed to do to build his body up in a division with no weight limit. Um, and then obviously the AJ victory. Um, he... He also suffered some injuries that he needed to work around. And again, at the end of the day, he's now a unified champ. So I gave him a 10 in the smoke category for that reason. I gave him a 29 for achievements because he has almost every belt there is to have except the WBC. 
and I gave him a 28 for the eye test only because of his size, which could become a problem if you were to fight a Fury or a Wilder. So total 96 points for my number two, Alexander Usyk. So for me, uh, my number two is going to be probably the most talented guy that you have in the sport of boxing. You know, right now he's 30 oh with 29 KOs. He's 34 years old out of Omaha, Nebraska. That is none other than Terrence Bud Crawford. Terrence Bud Crawford in the last two years has a victory over Kell Brook, fourth round TKO. He has an impressive victory over Sean Showtime Porter, the only man to ever stop Porter. And that was by 10th round TKO. His father did him the honors of stepping in there, throwing in the towel. It wasn't going to end well for O'Shawn. Um, he's a former undisputed junior welterweight champion, former champion at lightweight, the current WBO welterweight champion. So he's a three-time champion, holds a belt in the most difficult weight class in boxing. So you got to give him high regards to that. When it comes to the skills, like I said, he got skills to pay the bills. That skills on top of skills. He is a switch hitter, fights out of the southpaw stance, but he can go to the right hand stance or orthodox stance and he's just as effective. You know, everything that he does inside the ring, not only does he does it, does it well, but he's one of the best in the business at doing pretty much everything. So that's, that's impressive when it comes to the skills. Um, has really good defense. Again, he gets hit a little bit more just based on the skill level that he has. He does get hit a little bit more than I think that a person with his talent should, but it hasn't, you know, um, stopped him from being successful yet. Very good counterpuncher. He can apply pressure. In a Terrence Crawford fight, although he's a boxer um, more so, especially early, but He's going to rumble with you. You know, he, he's, he's, he's down for all of that. Like, whatever it is you bring to the table, if you want to, you know, come with it, you know, he's, he'll be a huckleberry now. And so that's the other thing about him, too, is that he's not just a cutie out there. He's somebody who's willing to get down and dirty. And then probably the most two most important things about Terrence Bud Crawford when it comes to the skills is his adaptability. He pretty much can adapt to any style. And that's what he's doing. He's collecting data for those first two, three rounds. Once he has you figured, once he figures you out, then you might as well forget about it. <laughs> you know, go ahead and, and pack up, you know, get headed to the locker room, you know, get plans ready for uh, what you're going to be doing for the rest of the night, because it's not going to be anything good inside the ring once he adapts to your style. And then last but not least, probably one of the best or not, if not the best finisher in boxing. Once he touches you, you know, gets you wobbled, it's a wrap. You're done, you know, just like when it, what happened with Sean Porter. His father knew, like, once he went down, he was tapping the ground like that. Oh, son, you know, we got houses together. We're in the same neighborhood. I want to be able to eat breakfast with you in the morning because if I let this fight go on, then you're not going to be eating them scrambled eggs. You're going to be eating some soup. So, you know, when it comes to the finishing ability, he is up there with the best of them. So number two is uh, Terrence Crawford. I forgot to mention why. Um, as far as the numbers are concerned. So when it comes to the achievements, uh, I gave him a 28. I think that that is pretty um, impressive to be able to win belts in all of those weight classes. Now, 
The reason why I didn't give him a 30 is because the level of opposition. Some of the names that I would tell you who he got belts from, you wouldn't know who those guys are. They probably not even anymore. Um, and I think he was eaten off a weak junior what's away division at the time. But at the same time, I don't think that if it was like it is now with the caliber fighters, I think he still would have went through it. It's just that he didn't have to face any um, of the better boxers um, at that time. Just a weak division at the time. And I think that the lightweight division was the same way with Ricky Burns and guys like that. Now, when it comes to his um, quality of opposition, that Sean Porter fight sticks out. I have to give him, you know, high points for that. But up until that point, I took a couple points off because up to that point, he was fighting old guys, guys with um, physical limited limitations and, and things like that up until that fight. But that was a very quality victory and very impressive on his part by being able to knock out Sean Porter, who had never been knocked out before and fought some of the upper echelon best welterweights. So I gave him 28 points there. And then when it comes to the skills, again, you can pay whatever bill that you want with those skills, you know, electric, cable, Netflix, you know, <laughs> your credit score is going to be good dealing with Terrence Bud Crawford when it comes to the skills. So I gave him 30 points there. As far as the smoke, um, I gave him the same amount of points or no, I took uh, two points because again, he hasn't really been fighting the best opposition up until the Sean Porter fight. Um, and then that name, that Errol Spence name, I think that you have to, a fighter of his caliber, that if you can best, at least go for the next best person. And he hasn't been doing that. So I took two points off. I don't think it's really necessarily him. I just think it's his mentality and his worth in order, like for him, like, I'm not going to be second fiddle to anybody, but at the same time, what I'm bringing to the table as far as my marketability is not on point with some of the other guys who are with PBC because they've shown more when it, came, when it comes to, like, pay-per-view sales and things like that. So I don't think it's something in terms of him being afraid of anybody. I just think that it's just certain um, things that are prohibiting those fights from taking place. But the fact that they're not taking place, I have to take some points away. But all in all, he had the same amount of points as Usyk. And I don't think that Usyk would be able to defeat Terrence Bud Crawford if they were the same weight. So at number two, I got Terrence Bud Crawford. Now, that brings me to my number one. And if you, you know, looked at my list, if you've seen the nine guys that I have, it's one glaring person that's missing. And we all know who that is. The man is... 52 or 57 one with two losses, 39 KOs. He's <laughs> the cash cow of boxing, you know. He, he's a person who is running laps around a competition. And most importantly, he's a guy who has the slickest set of pajamas in the game. And that's going to be Canelo Alvarez. Canelo, check this out. The last couple of years, he beat Billy Joe Saunders. Right. He collected, I want to say the IBF belt from him. That was May 2021. He took a little bit of time to go ahead and fight his number one contender in Abney Yildrum in February. You know, had a, a, a huge event, showcase fight for the people in Guadalupe, Jalisco, Mexico. It wasn't there, but I'm just saying it was just something, you know, to have um, some of the best artists come out and, and, and bring him out, you know, just like a festive event. 
you know, took care of that, handled that business. Before that, fought Callum Smith, December 20th, took his belt, you know, whooped on him. And then just recently, he took a belt away from Caleb Plant. And so that's a lot of fighting. Those are a lot of high-level fighters that the number one guy in the sport of boxing, number one cash cow is doing this. I say he's running laps around these guys. Mention that he's held unified belts at the 154-pound weight class. He was the WBO champ, WBC champ, WBA champ. He was the WBC and WBA champ at middleweight. Um, he currently has all of the major belts at 168 one of the only undisputed if not the first ever undisputed champion at 168 holding a wba wbc ibf wbo IBA, all of them and then i didn't even mention that he went up a couple of years back to beat sergey kovalev to get the 175 pound belt running laps around these dudes so when you factor that in cash cow we want to add that in there the slick pajamas, you know, he had on some black ones. You know, this last fight, I think it was January 1st. I've never seen a guy that comfortable in the skin, his own skin, that be walking around to these events in silk pajamas, you know. I could even add in a nice little wife that he, hey, Canelo, don't be mad at me, sir. Then you're going, let's go ahead and go to the skills. Talking about skills to pay the bills. This man, I always say this methodical tactician, one of the best counter punchers, his defensive awareness. If you, if you don't believe me, take a look at the Denny uh, Jacobs fight, the way, the, check a look at the Triple G fight. It's a couple times when those guys are throwing punches, they think they got Canelo, but he's looking in the stands like, where are you throwing these punches at? Because you're not hitting me, hitting me with that. And then he's coming back with some mean body shots and body work on these guys. This dude is phenomenal. He's, he has unorthodox um, combinations. You don't believe me? Take a look at the Callum Smith fight. Callum Smith didn't know how he was hitting him from some of those angles. Take a look at the Caleb Plant fight. Unorthodox uppercut that put Caleb Plant down. This dude has all of the skills, man, and he's so confident right now. He got about two or three years left at this level where I don't see anybody messing with him. And that's why he has such lofty goals. He plans on going up the cruiserweight to get one of those belts. But he's saying it as a matter of fact, I'm doing this. And then, you know, he just, he wants everything like just to build his legacy. Could fight a Charlo, I'm hearing that. He's gonna do whatever it is he wanna do in these next two, three years. He's at the height of his powers. This is easy right here. This is, when you talk about number one, number one was a breeze. You understand what I'm saying? Ha ha Davis. And then last but not least, he has the ability to lay traps for you. Hence the Amir Khan fight. And I know Amir Khan doesn't have the best set of whiskers in, in boxing, but at the same time, he set him up like a mouse in a mouse trap, clocked him, put him away. But he doesn't just do that with guys who have a weak set of whiskers. He can do that with pretty much everybody. That uppercut that he hit Abney Yeardrum with, setting him up perfectly. So when it comes to my number one pound for pound fighter, he has 30 points when it comes to achievements, 30 points when it comes to the level of competition, fighting champion after champion within these last two years. I mean, that was 11 months. It wasn't even two years. And then and you got to factor in the eye test has everything that you want in a boxer. Um, when he hits these guys, he's hurting them. Big guys, small guys, it doesn't matter. Um, 
the only thing that I took points off of, and I probably I'm being really critical. And I gave him a seven when it came to the smoke. Not that he's avoiding anybody. When you at this elite level, we the number one cash cow in boxing. It's always going to be somebody's going to complain. You're not fighting me. Why are you not fighting that guy? But he's uh, you know checking off accomplishment after accomplishment. He's just going to get to you when he can. It's understandable what he's doing. But again, just the fact that we still haven't had the um, Charlo fight, which is understandable. Who's Charlo for? <laughs> in the meantime, um, just because we haven't had the Andrade fight, who has he fought? In the meantime, you know, some people right now want him to face David Benavidez, but he's fought all of those guys within that 11 month time frame. Who has Benavidez fought? So I can understand from Canelo's standpoint, but the fact that we can still have, you know, that level of, um, that level of hate, you know what I mean? I say it, it's pretty much hate because, you know, you if you just be, you know, analyze this and be analytical with it, you can understand where Canelo's coming from. But at the same time, he's still leaving room for those guys and critics to, to, to still say those things. So I gave him a seven for that. But all in all, man, number one fighter, pound for pound in the world as of January, 2022, is my man, man, Saul Canelo Alvarez, stand up, Guadalupe, Jalisco, Mexico, you got one. And I think that really, I can put this down for next year because he's that much far ahead of the competition. My number, pound for pound fighter. I mean, what more can you say? Canelo Alvarez, will you get a good, it's no point even doing this, just, <laughs> I mean, what more can you say? The last two or three times we've done this, I mean, for the same reasons, Canelo. But even this year, I mean, he's fought three fights this year. Most guys on this fought only once or probably not at all in, a, in, a, in 2021. We, we, we factor in 2020, Canelo Alvarez has fought four times. Most people on this list probably fought about two two times, maybe three times. No one has, has fought as many times he has unless they're – upcoming fighter or a fighter that's, that's hungry still. Fighters at his level right today, or especially in, in, in the coronavirus era, they're not fighting three fights a year or four fights in two years. So I, I got to give him so much credit for that. I mean, he did what he said he was going to do. And if I were Ryan Garcia, I will, I, that's the advice I would take. If you say you're going to do something, just do it. Don't, don't cry about it or say anything about it, but I mean, what more can I say? I mean, for the, we always did a great breakdown of, of why he's number one. For the quality of opposition, I give him a 29. You know, um, for achievements, I give him a 30. I mean, what, what more can you ask? It's, it's probably not a fighter today uh, that's actually fighting that's more accomplished than him right now. Eye test, I give him a, a 28. Smoke, I give him a nine. I had to take, him, take away that point because, uh, of course, yeah, all these guys, like you said, we all these guys need to fight each other. But the Andrade thing is it's interesting because even though I think you know Andrade should fight all these other fighters, Andrade was around when Canelo was around at 154, and he was a WBO championship, and Canelo didn't fight him then, and he's still not keen on fighting him now. But when you Canelo, you ain't gotta fight an Andrade. That's why I took point. If it was anybody else, I would have took two or three points. But this Canelo, so number one pound for pound, Canelo. Yeah, the only thing I'll add, um, I mean, 
the smoke I gave him 10 because over the course of the last two years, I don't think I could have asked any more for him. Um, you know what I mean? The only thing I took points off of was the eye test. I gave him a 28 there only because um, in several of those fights, you know, he was kind of pacing himself in a way that lost some rounds, like particularly in the plant fight. And granted, it worked out for him, but it could potentially give him problems versus a high volume puncher. Uh, if he were to move up to like heavyweight ultimately or fight Benavidez or fight like a better BF, uh, that could cost him. So I gave him a 28. But, you know, with 98 points, um, you know, our number one was pretty unanimous. We could all win at the same time, fellas. So I think about them pajamas, though. The pajamas slick. I can't pull them off, but, you know, he got it. No, I haven't seen those pajamas yet. So. <laughs> that's, his, that's his guard, man. That's that's what he get out in there. You know, every fight now, that's what – or even his own fights. That's what he's showing up in. But, you know, like I say, man, it was a, a really good episode. You guys want to um, – anything that you want to say before we wrap things up? Or do we want to just go over our list one more time, like the just say who we had? My top 10 pound for pound list. Number 10 was Silly Lomachenko. Number nine, Jamel Charlo. Number eight, Juan Francisco Estrada. Number seven, Arrow the True Spence. Number six, Josh Taylor. Number five, Terrence Crawford. Number four, Oleksandr Usyk. Number three, Tyson Fury. Number two, Naomi Anui. And number one, Saúl Canelo Alvarez. I had Shakur Stevenson, number 10. Um, just going to read the rest of them off. Juan Francisco Estrada, Vasily Lomachenko, Errol Spence, Josh Taylor, Nayo Inoue, Terrence Crawford, Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, and Canelo Alvarez. Yes, sir. In my top 10 pound for pound list as of January 2022, I have Francisco, Juan Francisco Estrada at number 10. I got Devin the Dream Haney at number nine. I got the Beast Arthur Bitter Beef at number eight. Tyson Fury holds down the seventh position. Josh Taylor is number six. And Noah Newey, number five. The Truth Earl Spence is number four. The cat, Alexander Usyk, is number three. Number two, we got Bud. And then we got the Pajama King. We got the Cash Kyle, Canelo Alvarez at number one. Anything else we got, fellas, before we wrap things up? I just hope that this year be a, a great year of boxing. I, I'm excited for what the year holds. It's not some fights been talked about, not a lot been, you know, put set in stone, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope everyone's dreams for the year come true. Absolutely. That's a good way to end. The other, last thing I'm going to say, just make sure you continue to support. Hopefully you like the episode, put a lot of work in to come up with this type of content for you. But we want to make sure that we true to our craft, true to the sport of boxing. Make sure you keep supporting. Also, look out for us on social media. You know, tell uh, your friends, you know, tell other avid boxing fans about what it is that we're doing. Make sure you like and subscribe. On that note, as Daniel said, hopefully you have a prosperous, you know, wonderful rest of 2022 and enjoy the ride. Peace. Peace.